Hey guys, it's Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware in downtown Indianapolis. You remember them, the great places to go before the pandemic and actually during the pandemic. And now that we're sort of getting to the post-pandemic universe, you might have lost a few pounds or maybe gained a few pounds. So swing it over to Leon Tailoring. They've got whatever it is that you need. So whether it is tailor-made clothes, whether it is regular-made clothes, or ready as clothes right off the rack that need to be adjusted for you, they can take care of you as well. Men and ladies as well. And also can take care of your young people too. Your young people may be looking for a job. So swing on by Leon Tailoring. They'd love to see it. They probably haven't seen it in a while. So get on over. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware in downtown Indianapolis. Well, with less than 100 days to go until the upcoming midterm election, we're taking some time to talk to several candidates. And join us in studio is Libertarian candidate for Secretary of State, Jeff Moore. So, Jeff, my friend, always good to talk to you. Thank you very much for being with us today. Abdul, good to be with you. Did I pronounce your last name correctly? Because a name like Abdul Hakim Shabazz, you try to get people's names right. I appreciate the integrity in that. Um, I do say Jeff Moore. That's right. Okay, cool. All right, so, Jeff Moore, how's the campaign going so far? It's good, Abdul. It's really busy. We are out at all the festivals and county fairs and just getting to shake hands and hear from neighbors and voters and to hear the frustration, to hear the exhaustion. We just want the system to work. We just want government to work for us and to see the response, to see the energy, to see the buy-in into this vision of receipts and audits to make our system better, to make our elections better. It's been so rewarding and such a privilege. Now, we talk about uh, auditing. What exactly are you talking about when we talk about auditing? Sure. So, after each election, there is a, quote, audit, and that, to date, has been insufficient, or, in my opinion, has been insufficient. The VSTOP organization, which is part of Ball State and, and answers to the Secretary of State, is tasked with auditing the equipment itself. Uh, they choose only five counties, and they choose which five counties they audit out of 92. And what I'm proposing is something very different. I want to audit all 92 counties, and I want to have an independent audit so that way we can audit the the elections before the elections are certified. Now, how would that actually work? Because you've got uh, November, which is the election day. You've got counties of different sizes. You've got, you know, say, Posey County only has a, a few thousand people, but you've got Mary County almost has almost a million people. Can you do that within the within the within a lot amount of time? That's a great question. And the question is, what is the allotted amount of time? Within thirty days, we have to have certified elections for by federal law. But there are we're going to have to become innovative and, and think about solutions that we can develop. And it probably means having an independent auditor coming in to help us with that component of the audit. Now, what exactly would we audit? What, what, what would what would we be auditing? So, Abdul, you and I are old enough to remember the two thousand elections when we were watching uh, pregnant Chad and Hank. Chad and Dimple Chad. So auditing to me means going back to a paper backup, some kind of proof that says this is where we were, this is what the vote was. And right now in Indiana, only 40% of all votes have any kind of paper backup. And those are from the VVPAT machines, the voter verified paper audit trail machines. What I'm advocating for is 100% of all votes to have a paper ballot backup. And when we audit them, an audit there means going back to compare the total votes that we tabulated to the paper audits that we're able to uh, audit and, and paper ballots that we're able to audit. Now, if I'm a regular person, I'm like, okay, are you trying to, temp- trying to figure out what my vote was? If you want to no, no, no. a paper trail or... No, 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 not at all. The secrecy of your vote is paramount. We need to make sure that you are able to keep your vote and your voice secret, but to ensure that you're heard. Sort of like tracking a FedEx package. You can see that the package is moving through and that somebody is responsible and that it exists, but you can't see what's inside of it. Now, Bob... What exactly would this do? Because is, is there an issue with Indiana's election integrity? Because I've been here, you know, twenty years since some change, and haven't heard a whole lot about you know the number of votes cast were different than the number of you know votes cast. 
Sure. So the big picture for me was in 2020 and all elections prior, I can't point to my vote and say, there it is. It's been counted. So if I order something off of Amazon, I can point to it and say, there's my package. There it is. And that's the sort of transparency that we want intuitively. Think about how businesses have raised the standard for our expectations. Uh, Restaurants have open kitchen models. You can look in and see everything that's going on. And that's that same kind of transparency and accountability that I want for our elections. So that way your vote still remains secret, but that way you can track it and know that the elections are being audited and anybody who is trying any funny business um, will be captured and and caught in the audits. Now, what about uh, sort of on the front end? Because Indiana does have voter ID. Mm-hmm. They got to check your ID to, you know, we're running the poll book, the whole nine yards. Is, is what we're doing on the front end enough to not necessarily lead an audit on the back end? So as you would know from business, somebody's always going to get more clever and more creative to outsmart your security system or break into your cash register. So the the safety that we have in place is the audit, and that will catch the activity for anybody who attempts to thwart the integrity of the election. Somebody's going to come up with some new scheme, however they do it, whether it's early voting or mail-in voting. There are going to be ways and there are going to be vulnerabilities, always. No system is perfect. But with the audit, we can capture it and understand what's happening and continuously make our systems better and safer. Our guest program today is Libertarian candidate for Secretary of State Jeff Moore. Uh, Jeff, uh, we're talking about uh, sort of auditing election results, but also some of the other things that are out there uh, as well. Uh, let's say uh, there is an audit, and let's say there's an issue. Let's say there were more votes cast than registered voters. What do you do? We'll have to look at the specifics of the situation that time, but big picture is we have to get this right. Elections are how we agree to disagree as a civil and civilized society. We have to get our elections right. So if there is a problem, let's get to the bottom of it and fix it. It does us worse if we continue to pretend that everything's perfect and go on that way. Uh, What about some of the other uh, election issues, Uh, whether it's mail-in voting, whether it's absentee voting, uh, early vote centers, uh, Diego Morales has wanted to cut the early voting time from 30 days to 14 days, only have uh, absentee voting for military or people who are sick. Otherwise, you'd vote on election day. What are are your thoughts on on the the voting process? Sure. I don't plan on any changes for the voting process, um, but I, I encourage everyone to vote in person on election day. That is the most safe and secure way of ensuring that your voice is heard. Uh, But that being said, the exception should exist. Uh, One of the exceptions is if you're over 65, you should be able to go and vote remotely. And that's necessary for so many Hoosiers. Uh, So I don't want to remove those, but those should be the exceptions, not the rule. And when we're auditing, it'll be easier and faster and more accurate to audit uh, the votes that are cast in person on election day when the exceptions are the exceptions and not the rule. So what about somebody like my wife who works her butt off? She's a massage therapist. And for some reason, election day, she has a lot of massages that she has to do. Will she still be able to, under your system, early vote or absentee vote or mail-in vote? Well, there are about a dozen different exemptions for pulling uh, an absentee vote. And she can certainly early vote under the 28 days before election. So uh, she'd have to book up at least 28 days worth of massages. She will, trust me. <laughs> then she, <laughs> make sure you're reporting that tax income. <laughs> exactly. Uh, also, uh, what about, uh, like I said, the, the other thing, too, is, uh, is like I said, you know, mail-in voting versus early voting. Like I said, Diego wanted to sort of skim that back. What, what are your thoughts on, like I said, just voting by mail? Right. I don't plan on addressing or changing any of those. I recognize that those are privileges that we have um, we we enjoy. Right. People like the safety of going early. And I myself have voted early uh, the last couple of cycles. But I also recognize that there is greater safety and security in voting in person on Election Day or at least in person during early voting. Should we move from precincts to voting centers? Because voting centers seems to work a lot better 
uh, for folks that don't necessarily have to go to your precinct in your neighborhood. You can vote you know, on your way to work at the, the voting places nearby. If there's a voting center like nearby your job or you know, while you're out on a Saturday. Um, I've used voting centers myself, and I understand there are pros and cons to both. I think we have to look at this as an increased capability because we have changing and improving technologies with the e-poll books. So remember, everybody, there used to be the paper poll books where you had a finite list of everybody who lived in that precinct. And if you weren't in that book, you couldn't vote there. Um, and we now have these electronic versions, so we can update them in real time. And that's how they work. And that allows you the flexibility of going to vote at any number of places or any number of polling center or voting centers within a county. So the technology solution allows us more options. And I think it's like fighting entropy to say that we can't use technology or we're going to continue to move away from it. We should leverage those technologies, but do that in a way that continues or increases the safety, security, and integrity of our elections. Our guest for today is Jeff Moore. Jeff is the Libertarian candidate for Secretary of State, uh, running against Destiny Wild, Destiny Scott Wells, and Diego Morales. Uh, speaking of uh, your opponents, uh, we did some polling uh, at Indy Politics. Actually, our pollster uh, did the polling. Uh, we looked at the Secretary of State's race. Uh, Destiny was 31, Diego was 28, uh, and you were 7. Your thoughts? Abdul, this is a jump ball. This is a jump ball of a race, and 34% undecided. What we'll see here is people will get to know us. They'll be curious, right? They're going to do their research. They're going to listen to our solutions. And I want to emphasize solutions here. How are we going to – everybody wants better elections. Everybody wants to have trust and confidence in our elections. But how do we get there? And those are the solutions. What are the actions that we can take today, that we must take today, to get us to that future? And with those solutions, I think – that's why I'm here. That's why I'm running for this office, because I want to actually bring solutions. I'm not here to call names. I'm not here to point fingers. I want government to work for me. I want government to work right. Uh, you had something interesting, some literature you dropped off at the beginning of our interview. You said, champion recall, referendum, and ballot initiatives here in Indiana, of all places. <laughs> These are some fun ones, and this is really good for a healthy democracy and republic. So recall, of course, is getting together with your neighbors, getting enough signatures, and getting elected officials out of office if they've lied to us. And the frustration that we keep hearing time and time again, somebody promises one thing but delivers another. And so recall gives us the power to keep our elected officials responsive and accountable to us. You can't just shut off a video camera and walk away. Recall forces our elected officials to answer to us. And the opposite of that is or referenda and direct ballot initiatives particularly. Well, I'll get to that in a second. But how would, I mean, here's my question is how would recall – work because they have to get so many signatures or the percentage of signatures and what if people are just mad at you because they just don't like you i mean i won but they're People are just kind of funny that way. I don't like you. We're going to get rid of you. Sure. So obviously, this is all written by the written into legislation by the General Assembly and signed by the governor. I'm not doing this alone. I'm going to need work to work with those offices and those partners to do this. But um, other states do have recall, do have direct ballot initiatives. We have referenda here in Indiana, which we see all the time for tax increases only, right? If we want our school district to have additional tax funding, we can vote only on issues like that tax us more. So... Recall particularly is going to be designed by us, and the details of that will have to get worked out by the legislature and by the governor, but there are ways to write that, to solve it, and to address those real questions that you ask. I don't know what those are. I don't know those answers right now. Would that require amending the Constitution? It might. There might be a couple different ways of of going through that, Um, but again, the processes and the politics behind it. Those are up to the General Assembly and the governor. I also talked about uh, better training for election workers. 
Feel free to elaborate. <laughs> That's right. Well, what, what training do? What more training do they need? I guess is my question. So, Abdul, I didn't bring it with me, but if you bring in all the books, the election code and the election manual and the quick start guide and the poll worker guide, it's it's an armful of books. Uh, it would be heavy. You'd almost want a wheelbarrow or a radio wagon cart to bring it in. And our county clerks. Our poll workers, our election workers, all the staff, they're required to know that. And, of course, there are penalties and real repercussions and consequences uh, if they don't know that and they don't act faithfully on that. So part of the training is – and if you look at the Secretary of State's website now, there are – half a dozen different videos that are one to two minutes. And it's a quick overview. Uh, There needs to be more training, more clarity. Uh, There's a lot of specifics. The elections vary county by county. They vary machine by machine. And so we have to have more specific, more customized training for the people who are really volunteering to do a great cause. Uh, Our poll workers are not paid nearly enough uh, for the threats and animosity that they endure in an increasing amount. And the county clerks, don't forget, have criminal penalties potentially for um, miss, for, for not leading elections correctly. So there's real skin in the game. We have to get this right. And let's give everyone the best chance for success. That means more training for all. Jeff Moore with us for a few more minutes on the program today. I'll talk about some of the things other than voting. I want to circle friendship with the, talk about the poll we did. Uh, in addition to you know the chief election officer, the Secretary of State also does corporations, business licensing, also does the things with the auto, with the car dealers, that sort of thing. Uh, where's Jeff Moore on those those issues, those areas. Sure. Let's talk about two things I definitely want to talk about, auto, um, business licensing and securities, uh, the securities division. So with business licensing, this is a highly administrative function, right? There's not a lot of policy that goes into this. I've mentioned here before previously that the one policy difference is I pledge to not revoke a business license based on the orders of a governor. I'm a, this is a constitutionally elected, directly elected position third highest constitutional position in the state. And I answer to the people. I don't answer to a party. I don't answer to a governor. So I will not revoke, I pledge to not revoke business licenses. The second part of this is really the greater good of this office. Of this office. So we have an opportunity to help nurture and grow Hoosier homegrown small businesses. These are our neighbors. These are innovators and entrepreneurs, guys with ideas. And they are building companies, building businesses, building nonprofits that serve our communities and take care of um, issues within our communities. We can help them better by creating an environment that's more friendly to small businesses, to nonprofits. And the Secretary of State should be a champion for that kind of clarity and that kind of business environment that makes it easier for innovation. And it's that kind of innovation that's ultimately going to help us fight systemic uh, inflation that we're all experiencing, that pain that we go and and see when we're at the grocery store or out to dinner. Uh, How about... uh Business, uh, securities and exchanges. Securities. Okay. So the fourth division of the Secretary of State's office is the securities division. And that's responsible for investigating, let's call it white collar or securities fraud. So not necessarily one of those spam callers that calls me at least once an hour every day. But really, somebody, a fraudster who comes up and sells you shares or equity in a business, uh, and it's not what it's supposed to be or not what they present it as. And so the FBI will typically investigate anything above $10 million. But if, and let's look at where we are as Hoosiers and as a generation, we have all of our baby boomers, all of our retirees who have worked hard and saved all those years, and they have their life savings, and they're looking for opportunities to invest it, to grow it, to give even more to their kids and grandkids. That's a good thing. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And yet there are fraudsters out there who will take advantage of that. 
and sell them stocks and shares and things that really shouldn't exist. And so the Securities Division of the Secretary of State's office is responsible for investigating that and helping to prosecute the people who are doing bad things and taking advantage of our parents and grandparents who have worked hard and saved and done the right things. Let's protect them. That's a good and noble purpose of government is to protect consumers, protect consumers, protect the people who have saved and worked. Uh, as we get ready to write down our conversation, I want to go back to the poll that we did, 31-28-7. Uh, uh, what do you think your chances are of actually hitting the 10% mark, which then changes the whole libertarian universe? You can now do start having primaries as opposed to just uh, conventions. Right. So if libertarians achieve 10% and or second place in any county, there's going to be a transformative effect in libertarian in politics in Indiana. So for, just as a step back, this is all under state law. So Republicans, Democrats, Libertarians, Greens, any party, um, if you achieve 2%, you get included in the general elections. If you achieve 10%, your party candidates get in, included in the primary elections. And there are a couple benefits of that, um, but including access to all the earned media, being part of the political discussion, and invisibility to your own members and to your own voters. So if separately, but related, if you come in second place in any one of those counties, then your party gets to appoint one person to that county's election board. And county election boards are comprised of three people, the county clerk, uh, the first place party, and the second place party appointees. And in that case, libertarians will have a chance to appoint libertarians to those county election boards. And I'll remind you that Donald Rainwater uh, ran for governor in 2020, and he came in second place in about 33 counties, so one out of three counties in Indiana. And if I'm able to replicate those results, then we'll have libertarians sitting on one out of three county election boards for the next four years. All right. Well, Jeff Moore, we appreciate you being with us. Somebody wants more information about you. Where can they go? Where can they find out? The website is mortarforindiana.com, M-A-U-R-E-R for indiana.com, all spelled out. And from there, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and now even TikTok. Yes, I'm doing the TikToks. Congratulations. Thanks for giving. Good luck giving the Chinese all your personal information on your phone. <laughs> I'm doing good to be with you. <laughs> Take care, my friend. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.